Let me take a minute and run through a, what I'll call an inter introduction. You'll notice we have, you know, the theme of this class will be from, from Luke 21, 28. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Well, we have it categorized into seven uh, topics, which uh, you can see on the outline. We probably will refer to them anyway in a moment. Uh, I would like to just make the following uh, thoughts set forth. And one deals with questions. And anytime anybody has a question, you feel free to interrupt because it's, it's better to get things in the right flow when you're right, right at the time than later because if you're confused, probably somebody else is confused and I'm probably confused. So we need to get it. Uh, let's, we can clear questions as we go along. Uh, I, I really want us to think in terms of of viewing all the signs as a whole. Uh, you know, we, we live in a 2004, so you know, the Christadelphian community has been through what I would just call disappointments. And uh, the older you are, the more disappointments you probably have had. So uh, I can say I've had a lot, uh, but I, I think back to in uh, these year, years will ring bells in each of your minds. 1917, 1945, 1947, Christ to the earth. They came and went, and what happens to us? We, we kind of slink. You know, we, we we feel like, well, maybe is do we do we have the proper understanding? So, a main purpose in looking at the signs of the times for me this year has it really has been to. Uh, Kind of back up and say, well, let's let's see where we are. Let's, you know, because Jesus very clearly says that when these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. So, uh, we will back up into much of what Brother Thomas wrote in the mid 19th century uh, to see that, and I think we can kind of substantiate that he, uh, his interpretation is still good and strong and uh, well our concern to learn. Uh, we want to notice particularly, we want to try to restore or to rehabilitate ourselves. The, the younger people who maybe had been, uh, you know, told things and were heard very, very energetic talks that 1992 would be the, re the year of the return, 1997, and that nothing happened. 
you know, it kind of shakes your, your, what you're thinking about. So anyway, with that, we, we're going to look at the, the seven topics. The first one, which I, inter I entitled The Return of the Remnant, is really going to be a, a look at the Jewish, the Messianic Jewish community. I used a, a book uh, written by a fellow named Schiffman entitled The Return of the Remnant. That's why I kind of got carried away with the uh, phrase. It's, uh, uh, we'll, and on your outline, there's a little sub statement under each one which says what that group is looking for. Well, the Messianic Jewish community is looking for the return of Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua the Messiah. We'll follow that with an Israel 2004. Uh, I, I can possibly call it an update. We'll look at a little of the history of the period, but it'll, it'll primarily uh, be an update. Uh, and what are they looking for? They're looking to, to dwell in a secure country. Uh, perhaps other allied thoughts, but th that's the main thing they look for. Europe 2004, and you know, it really says it all when we say EEC, EC, and EU. And we are, we'll have a, a fairly lengthy, in your outline, I've, I've given you two, uh, uh, two documents. One is, will be entitled Rome and the European Union. And also one is a group of quotes from the uh, uh, Great Deception. Uh, so there are three pages of that, and I'll give you those pages before before the week's over. Uh, somewhat, the papers. Uh, well, what Europe, the European Union. Well, they they want to be a United States of Europe. They want to be a super a super state state, which means that they control everything. And uh, we'll we'll look in some depth into that issue. Uh, Number four will be the papacy. And what does the papacy want? They want to control a world under Roman Catholic principles. And uh, that'll be a kind of a... Uh, those two may somewhat be combined. Russia, and you know, we're away from the Soviet Union. We've seen great changes in Russia in the last uh, 15 years. And what does Russia want? They want to live, to return to the time of the Romanovs which was 1613 to 1917, the time of the great Roman, um, the great Russian uh, development. We'll, we'll look at Tarsus, uh, and I have question marks there because this is the year of the elections, and we have Blair and Bush, and we have uh, Howard and Kerry as contenders. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll want to wrap up with, in point seven, the ecclesia. And that, what's the ecclesia looking for? Uh, the reestablishment of the kingdom of God in the earth with his son and his brethren as kings and priests. So that's where we hope to go in the next uh, three or four classes. Now I'll give you a quick run, just to view what we're going to talk about in the Messianic community. Uh, obviously one of the 
points in my mind is that this is a tremendous sign of our times. And it's something that really, really essentially has been within our, uh, all of our days because it's a growing uh, of the, it's a growing of the, a religious movement within the Jewish people of as they have become what they call messianic. We'll look at the uh, uh, three or four periods of the messianic believers uh, from the ancient messianic history to the modern messianic history to the Jewish people and the church to the messianic congregation. We're going to take a short look at doctrines that they have and then each of these sections will end, as you'll note in your outline, with a conclusion. The conclusion to me, I'll, I'll tell you up front, is, is kind of questions and answers. I'm more interested in learning on this subject than I am in trying to lead it. Because I think that what we all really want to come at a conclusion if, is where are we uh, and what's going to happen as we see further signs develop. You know, we, we talked a little bit yesterday just privately that none of us 15 years ago would have dreamed of what we've seen in the last 15 years. So, uh, anyway, a little bit on terminology. Uh, and I, I'm, I don't have time that I wanted to do some of this, but uh, in, in uh, uh, Mr. Schiffman, uh, book, he gives uh, one of the big points he makes is to be aware of uh, terms that are used in the Christian world uh, are unacceptable to the Messianic Jews. Well, you and I as Christadelphians should feel very much the same way. I'm just going to pick on a couple because of time, but uh, they do not use the word church because they give the same reasons that you and I would give that we should not use the word church. They, they prefer congregation or ecclesial. Uh, but don't get too carried away with that because we look at some of the comments from John Paul too a little later in the week. Guess what, what he uses? He uses the ecclesial. So, you know, you have to understand the word, but the, the Jewish people particularly want to be aware that one of their problems that they've had historically has been the usage of words or the Christian vocabulary. And why I think that becomes important to us is you and I have the same problems, you know, and we probably don't like words like the cross, the Jewish Messianic community doesn't either. They want to uh, use the phrase the execution stake. So, uh, and they use the word believer to indicate a believer, which is probably uh, should be more acceptable to you and I. Uh, Christian is not used to denote believer. Uh, to, to show you the, the complexity of it, uh, they, they frequently will say 
Jewish Christianity. And I would say that that, at first, that would be at the time of the work of the apostles. Uh, later, uh, it was more used for the Jews that accepted Christian doctrine. And as Adam pointed out in his analysis this morning of uh, the Ecclesia, uh, that Antipas uh, was associated with, you immediately see it was a, a point in time, but it also would extend out. So we have the same thing. The, the, the Messianic Jews, once upon a time, uh, you know, believed the truth. Uh, they got associated between Catholic Judaism, which were Jews that converted to the church, some forced and some uh, just accepted it, and the Catholic Church, which is apostate Christianity. So if you you, you can see terminology becomes you know pretty important. So uh, and I think that may even work with you and I. We need to say things that are accurate. In other words, don't use the word church. Don't use the word Christian. Neither one of them are appropriate to you and I. Because when, and it helps a lot when you're reading through, if you're speaking to a Jewish person particularly, to say congregation, to say ecclesia. And, you know, the, the, apostate, the apostate Jews, and there's plenty of them, we'll, we'll, that'll come out as we move along. I need to move along. All right. Uh, the outline, by the way, is more for you to have something to write on than to, for me to follow. But I will reasonably follow it, uh, hopefully. Uh, you know, if we could go back to the year 2 to 4 B.C. in our minds, uh, that was the expectancy in, in, in of the coming of the Messiah. I'd like to just use one quote, which uh, I think it's number six on your outline. I put it all on there. Uh, this is a statement from Michael Schiffman, and I think that, and this is kind of the theme of why we want to end up anyway on this particular subject. He says a messianic congregational movement in the 19th and 20th centuries is a phenomenon that parallels the reestablishment of the modern state of Israel. You know, that's, that's a powerful statement. And you and I, you know, we've been trained to think and watch Israel as to its uh, signs that would associate with the coming of Jesus the Anointed back to the earth. Well, Mr. Schiffman's point is that the Messianic congregational movement in the Jewish community is just as outstanding an event as the development of Israel. And uh, that's what you and I to reach conclusions on. But back to 2 to 4 BC, expectancy of the Messiah, and we probably will. How much of this is on the outline? That's. Yeah, I, I think I may not read some of those verses because we're all familiar with, with them. Oh, Brother Michael yesterday t 
touched upon the same area when he was talking about the same time period when he was talking about the time of John the Baptist. But there was great expectancy of the coming of the Messiah. Uh, and you know, we would cite, and you can mark, it's in the outline, and we'll look at some of the verses a little later anyway. Simeon, who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Anna, who was looking for redemption in Jerusalem. Joseph of Arimathea, a disciple waiting for the kingdom of God. Might turn to Luke 3.15. I think we were there yesterday. It may help to associate some things together. But look at, uh, and this is, of course, at the time of John. And uh, verse 15 says, and as the people were in, in, the, in the Jewish Bible, by the way, on that reads, there was great expectation. And all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not. So, you know, expectancy. Well, what we need to do, we know it was based on the prophecies of the 70 weeks from, from Daniel 9. But there was expectancy in Israel of, of the coming of the Messiah. Uh, they, that same expectancy is today amongst the Jewish Messianic community. Uh, it's only logical that if expectancy before the first coming, there will be expectancy before the second coming. That's just logical. Uh, it's interesting, I think, and I, and I don't like that word interesting. I, I know we all use it a lot because I don't really know what it means. Uh, it's uh, just a word. But uh, at the, the, they cite Psalm 102.13, and you'll notice that in, in the outline, I'm, I'm going to cite that not only for Messianic Judaism, but for the... Uh, for Israel itself. And you and I have probably used this verse many times uh, in conjunction with uh, Israel, or we'll say the development of the Jewish people politically. We're now really looking at the development of the Jewish people religiously. Uh, and 102.13 Psalm says, Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, that time is come. So, uh, Romans 10:1, we, we think of, you know, that's when Paul said that his hopes, his whole hope, his whole desire was that Israel might be saved. And uh, that is somewhat of a sub theme of what we are going to look at. Uh, just a couple of, of, of facts on that. Uh, Michael Wolf uh, is president of the Jewish Alliance of Jewish Alliance of America. He wrote this concerning the question Messianic, to the Messianic Jewish community in answer to the question, what is it? 
he says the most exciting resurgence of biblical religion since the resurrection of Yeshua the Messiah. Well, you know, I think you and I, and remember, we have the, I'll use the phrase, the whole truth. We are true believers. He's a believer in process. He has figured out that Jesus was the Messiah. He's looking for his return. Believes atonement issues substantially similar if not, well, this is say, substantially similar to what we believe. But he, we'll, we'll talk when we get to doctrinal points. We'll see some problems they have. So we would probably question the uh, well. It's the most ex- exciting resurgence of biblical religion since the resurrection of Yeshua the Messiah, because we would probably say in, in answer to that. Uh, to challenge him that uh, the birth of the truth in the days of Brother Thomas was and we would probably throw it the year 1841, 1842, 1847 interesting though gang interesting uh, this group was organized on May 14, 1866 Think about that for a moment. May 14th, 1866. And then we obviously think of May 14th, 1948, right? So, but one, now, now we're coming down to the, you know, the Jewish group. A couple of points that M- Mr. Wolf makes is that, number one, is that there's been more growth of, the Messia- of Messianic Judaism in the last few years, and I think he says from 85 to 1900, that in any time since the first century, and we will talk a little bit about it. Well, maybe we should do it now. Let's think about the first century. And uh, I think these verses are all in your... Uh, you'll have to write them down. I may use them a little differently. But uh, let's look at Acts 1.15. You know, when you get in a hurry, it's, it's amazing how slow you can find something. This, of course, is at the time of the ascension. Uh, one, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names to gather were about 120. So, you know, think back. Now, here we are. Jesus, his ministry is concluded. He's ascended to heaven. And we got how many Messianic Jews? 120. Believers. Disciples. Uh, how you want to refer to them. Uh, let's look at a little progression. Let's look in... Uh, so, you know, let me read the, the, the statement. Messianic Jews believe the origin to be Pentecost or Shabbos, 50 days after the Passover when Jesus was crucified. 
Acts 1 tells us that the number of disciples at that time to be 120. While Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, uh, and you can look that up, I'm not going to turn it up. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. The events of the festival of weeks, harvest, or Pentecost, according accorded an additional member out an addition of 3,000 that day. That's in Acts 2.41. You flip over to that. I just want to kind of notice the, the growth. 2.41 says, They that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000. These were men who were at Jerusalem from all over the known world, described as devout men in verse 5. It's not our purpose to debate the dwellers in verse 5 with the strangers or sojourners in verse 10 at this time. The, the only point is the Jewish community was being formed by God. The Messianic Jewish community was being formed by God for the purpose of speaking the gospel throughout the world. And that's an important point for us to keep in mind. You know, these, these are early ecclesias to start with, were virtually all Jewish. You know, 99% of them were Jew. And that was the Messianic community at that time. What did they believe? They believed exactly what the apostles had believed. Adam led us into, you know, how the deterioration started and how complete it was by 313. So, uh, I'm not going to go through that again, but uh, I do want to make a couple of points. Look at Acts 6-7. It refers to a great company of priests who are obedient to the faith. Uh, Acts 6-7, and the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests are obedient to the faith. You don't see anything about Gentiles. Notice it pretty clearly. And look at uh, uh, Acts twenty-one twenty. And hopefully, as we read, look through this, you kind of keep a mental notice to time. And uh, and this is, we get more of a. Uh, we have some Gentiles, also uh, Hellenistic Jews. But 21.20 says, And when they heard it, they glorified the, yeah, the Adonai and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. So, you know, you get a lot of little points there. You know, sure, they, but they understood the truth. They were, they were believers. Back on my chart here for a minute. Okay, so they, that's that's one of the points that we think about early messianic, ancient messianic Judaism. Uh, Jewish believers of the first century looked for Yeshua's return and for the redemption of the Jewish people. So do modern-day Jewish believers, messianic Jews, often expressing the heart of early messianic. 
of the early Messianic Jew. They quote the Apostle Paul, Romans 10.1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Our point this morning is for us to see the growth of the Messianic Jew by large numbers since 1978 till 2004 has to be a sign of the times. In case I run out of time, I just would like to make this point. There were probably in the late 70s about 10,000 members of the Messianic community. By today, there could be as many as one million. Think about that for a growth pattern. Uh, they it's hard to confirm how many because there's too much of a rage as to who is a Jew whether a Jew is a, a descendant of a father who is not Jewish uh, you know and all these debates enter in so they, they have a hard time counting they also don't have no, they don't have a full realization of how many Gentiles may be within the congregational movement that they have. They also have many Messianic Jews who have uh, don't go to Messianic congregations but still go to the Presbyterian Church. Which, of course, is a real uh, hard thing for them to swallow. Particularly if the person says, you know, and yet we'll, we'll have examples. Two outstanding examples of that which we'll come to later, would, would be Alfred Edersheim and um, I have senior moments on a lot of this, uh, Benjamin Disraeli. So you, you can see the time span that we look over. But it's important for, I think what we need to just get through our minds is that this is a tremendous sign for you and I. It's probably uh, I'll, I'll leave it up to you as to whether you want to think that this movement, as Mr. Schiffman suggests, is a phenomenon that parallels the reestablishment of the modern state of Israel. Uh, as the return of Jesus' anointed approaches, Jewish people are back in the land. Israel is once again a national entity. Jewish people are believing in Yeshua. We as Gentile believers should be alert to the sign which should be clearly a part of our vision of today. And that's why we use that phrase in the outline I think, La Haroi, which means a vision of the living water. Okay, it appears reasonably to see at this time many, and we're back to the ancient part, at this time, many elements from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Agnostics began to interrupt the activities of the Messianic community. And that's no more than saying what we've already been talking about, that as, as time went, the Messianic Jews were infiltrated, and by then, the, the community had become, in, in large measure, a Gentile. In other words, as it became in three, by 312, the ecclesia had 
We, we have two statements from the, the letters to the Ecclesiastes. I might turn those up from uh, Revelation 2. Uh, we look at the uh, uh, Smyrna Ecclesia in verse 8. 9, it speaks of they of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. And we also have the same thing said in Philadelphia in chapter 3. Uh, Behold, I make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. So you can see the this corruption, this apostasy was spreading into the, as it spread into the ecclesias in Paul's day and John's day and also subsequently into uh, later times there was a similarity of, of uh, apostasy developing. So we, have, we know that Pharisees, Sadducees and Agnostics uh, happened then and will happen and is happening today. We pause to remind ourselves that during this period also many Gentiles accepted the faith of the Jewish Messiah and were included in the Ecclesia that Paul and others established from Antioch to Rome. Most of the Gentiles had come from pagan backgrounds, meaning worshippers of all kinds of strange gods. Uh, and we can look at Paul's, we can consider Paul's address to the Athenians on Mars, Mars Hill recorded in Acts 17. For the next four centuries, that is until the early 5th century, Messianic Jew, Jewish Judaism as a movement de declined. Jacob Jaws, in his book, The Jewish People and Jesus Christ, wrote, hemmed in between the Catholic Church and Catholic Judaism, Jewish Christianity slowly dwindled away. Its actual existence reached into the 4th and 5th centuries, speaking especially in Syria, but it exerted no important influence either upon the synagogue or upon the church. Notice the words very carefully because they're important. Uh, they were hemmed in between Catholic, the Catholic Church and Catholic Judaism. That's the ecclesia, you know, declining, becoming apostate. So the Messianic Judaism dwindled. I th uh, just an interesting point I found. Uh, the Jewish believers, and this comes from Schiffman's writings, the Jewish believers fled to power in Transjordan at the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. This event is recalled or remembered in a hymn we sang, hymn number 244. The fleeing to Pella is mentioned by Irenaeus and Eusebius, and I can give you the spaces on those if you want them, which we believe links the early believers in Jerusalem and the latter-day believers. Nothing, you know, we have a hymn that says that they fled to Pella, the believer. Well, it's not in the Bible, but it is recorded by Jewish historians who were probably uh, Jewish Messianic believers who recorded the event and somewhere providentially I would believe it was picked up as a Christ Christadelphian hymn. We note that the church 
had conquered their enemy and that from that time on but for 14 centuries Messianic Judaism would remain dormant. There were Jews who believed in Yeshua during this period. Benjamin Disraeli and Alfred Adesheim would be two prominent examples. But by the way, they both attended uh, Christian denominations. So you, you see how it works. The 19th century rebirth is startling. It's a startling development. 514-66, the first Hebrew Christian alliance was formed in Great Britain. My time up. Uh, clock says my time's up, so. Okay, the Jewish, the Jewish, the Messianic Jewish community believed that as God began calling out of the lambs of dispersion, so he also began calling Jewish believers out of spiritual dispersion of non-Jewish churches. Think about that for a second, you know. In other words, their belief is just as he started calling the Jewish people back to the land, he began to began to call Jewish believers out of spiritual apostasy. From eighteen sixty six to nineteen seventy, people were in the we'll say the low thousands, the ten thousands. 10,000 range. The awakening was slow. Uh, think back to the Messianic community of the first century. When Jesus ascended, it was 120. I don't think we ever have an account of many over three to 10,000. But then, you know, we, we suddenly for 14, then it dwindled, and for 14 centuries, dormant. From the Jewish perspective, they had to deal with the church as they had observed it for almost 20 centuries. Biased against Jews, deep in pagan philosophy, the Jews had a strong belief in the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one of the church had preferred to propounded them to be three gods. We will consider the doctrine of Messianic Judaism momentarily. However, the rabbinical Jew Judaism seen in the Torah but all also taught mostly by the Talmudic writers steadfastly denies that Yeshua was the Messiah. Most Jews, whether Orthodox or Reformed, therefore are at variance with the Messianic Jews. And I can tell you that is a uh, that variance is a very soft word. They are very uh, they hate each other. And uh, 
maybe it's a good place for me to stop. Just reading one short thing from, and this kind of sums that up. This is from Mr. Schiffman in his dedication of his book. And uh, I'll have trouble reading this, but I'll try. He says, in dedication to my wife, Robin, who is the joy of my life and my partner in Yeshua's service. She is a constant reminder of God's love and grace to me. To my children, Sarah and Marcus, because this book represents their heritage. And it is to them and to the entire generation of Messianic children emerging in our movement that I wish to pass it on. And to my parents, grandparents, and sisters, whom I hope and pray will someday join us in the knowledge of our people's Messiah. So you see, his wife is with him. He's teaching, and he's teaching his children and their friends. And he's looking backward and sees his parents and grandparents and sisters who are still hemmed in between Catholic Church and the Christian Evangelicals. Okay, we'll pick up that tomorrow. Sorry. It's a very emotional subject to me. And I, but I do think that if we, if we get one thing is to just remember that this is a great sign for us and we'll, we, we'll have to continue in it next week. But I think we should all be very conscious that there may be some work that can be done in the Messianic community uh, because they have some doctrinal problems uh, because of that. The evangelicals are at work. Thank you.